All right, how y'all doing this evening? All right, I'm in a Methodist church, it sounds like. How y'all doing this evening? All right, much better, amen. All right, and let me try to get this thing on. Everybody hear me okay? All right, all right, let's uh, open our Bibles, if you would. Good place to uh, start, amen. So appreciate, again, the opportunity to be here and pray for me. I'll be at the uh, Kentucky, or I did the Kentucky Derby a couple weeks ago. We're going to be in Genesis Um, More teaching time tonight, uh, a little quieter, so you can say hallelujah, right? Yeah, I knew somebody somebody do that, amen? So pray for me, I'll be at the Indy next week, uh, preaching out there, and uh, share something with you real quick uh, before we get into the message tonight. I get asked a lot of times what is the most, what I think is the most powerful time the Lord's allowed me to evangelize somebody, and it was not out street preaching, it wasn't at a... uh, you know, a big event or anything like that, but I was preaching for a church up in Chicago about 30 times, 35 times a year, and uh, trained them how to do street ministry and things. So we're at a restaurant in Chicago, it's called Portillo's. I don't know if you've ever been to one, but it was, a, it was a blessing, amen? And so we went there, and so we're sitting there having fellowship, about 30, 40 of us, and I look over, and there's a gentleman there who's, uh, he, it turns out, I didn't know, he was in all the Roman Catholic garb. Turned out he was... Uh, the head, the archbishop in charge of, I believe it was Romania, he was in charge of five million Roman Catholics. And, and the Lord just prompted me, I didn't know that at the time, it prompted me to go over and just talk to him. So I start witnessing to him through, through a translator, through an interpreter, he did not speak English. For about 35 minutes, the Lord allowed me to give that man the gospel. I couldn't have paid him probably $5,000 to have an audience with him for 30 minutes. It was just tremendous, and just uh, I, I started getting into some stuff he wasn't appreciative of. I had a responsibility to be honest with him, of course, and go to the Bible. But as he walked out, he wouldn't even let me get a picture of him. He's covering his face and all that stuff. But you know, you make yourself. It's not about how able we are; it's about how available we are. A lot of times before the Lord, you know, do we let Him take use of our life? Amen. So. Uh, I just thought I'd share that with you. It's a pretty powerful time, I thought. But um, Genesis chapter 18, if you'd stand for God's word, amen. So appreciate the opportunity to be here uh, tonight. And um, a little bit more teaching tonight. I think that's lacking in our churches as well sometimes. Everybody with me tonight? It seems awful quiet tonight. All right, amen. All right. I know some of you are tired. Some of you just want to go home and whatever, but... uh, Thinking about golf this week or something, I don't know. But I, I could never figure out that game. I, I don't know where the excitement is. Ooh, it went in the hole, you know. I don't know. That just, not me, amen. So, but uh, thank God for his word, amen. And I, I do thank the, thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here. And, and uh, I don't say this just because he lets me preach, but I have a lot of respect for your pastor. And there's a lot of men that don't go around and shake anybody's hand, don't really talk to people, much less teach a Sunday school class of young adults. And he's got, no offense, brother, years of experience. Amen. You can learn from that. But I have a lot of respect for him. Amen. So I hope and pray you do as well. So a little bit of a different message tonight, Genesis chapter 18. Look at verse 22, if you would. The Bible says, and the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the, that, uh, the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? 
Verse 25, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I mean, you're talking about talking to God. Amen? That's pretty humbling. Amen? Uh, then he says in verse 26, And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Notice his respect and notice he recognizes what he is. Amen? These people that want to walk around, they talk about, you know, uh, talk about God irreverently and with disrespect. They're going to answer to that one day. Amen? To God for that. So, uh, look at verse uh, 28, peradventure there shall lack five of the 50 righteous will not destroy all the city for lack of five. And he said, if I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake unto him yet again and said, peradventure, there shall be 40 found there. And he said, I will not do it for 40's sake. And he said unto him, oh, let not the Lord be angry. It's a good thing to say at this point. Uh, and because, you know, if it was us, we'd start getting aggravated. Amen. And then, uh, uh, so look at, the, look at where it continues there. And he says, peradventure, for, uh, sh- there shall be 30 be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I found 30 there. And he said, behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be 20 found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 20's sake. And he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure, 10 shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communion with Abraham. And Abraham returned Unto his place. Heavenly Father, we ask again that you'd help us to uh, meditate, to think, to allow the Word of God to get into our hearts tonight. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get everything out of our mind that would not be of you tonight. I pray you'd help us. Uh, it's been a long day, it's been a busy week for a lot of people. And Lord, I know a lot of mothers have tremendous responsibilities sometimes, uh, 24-7. And, and uh, Lord, I just pray you'd help us to focus upon your word tonight. I pray for clarity of thought and mind. I pray you'd strengthen me. Just uh, thank you, Lord God, for your goodness. What a, what a powerful thing, Lord, just doing my devotions and went through this and caught my eye. And uh, Lord, I pray it'd be a blessing and encouragement tonight. Nothing tremendously profound, but yet, Lord, it's from your word. So I pray it would work in our hearts. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. I want to preach to you a message tonight about the man who had influenced God, the man who influenced God. Amen. The man who moved God. And and there's a lot of other people in the Bible that have done that. But I want to share with you, listen, have you ever ever really needed to get a hold of God and yet sometimes you feel like he's not listening? That ever happened to you? And I want to just share some things from Abraham's life and some other portions of Scripture to try to encourage us from what we see in this Bible that we have the ability as frail, sinful uh, human beings that are prone to do wrong things, prone to be in the flesh, we have the ability to influence the God of the Bible, the creator of the heaven and the earth. Amen? So let's look at a few things here. Look at... Um, uh, well, I, I'll just reference, I won't go there due to time, but in James 2.23, he is called the friend of God. It's the second time. Amen? And so I'll give you an idea uh, as we're going to be looking at um, Genesis chapter 12, if you'll go there. But the word influence, it means the capacity of having an effect on the character development or behavior of someone else. Amen? You all with me tonight? All right. 
I just want to make sure, amen? So Genesis chapter 12, let's look at this here. These are basic, simple things, but I find in my Christian life, a lot of times the basics are what I need after being saved for 41 and a half years, amen? Uh, chapter 12, look at this. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now we're all familiar with this passage, but look how look what it says in verse 4. So Abram departed. He obeyed. He had a spirit and an attitude of obedience. And God wasn't asking him just to go uh, next door and bring somebody a loaf of bread. And he, uh, he obeyed. You know, one thing we taught our children, my wife and I, was we, called, we didn't like the, the idea of delayed obedience. We called that disobedience. Amen? And, and so uh, sometimes we try to train them that when mom or dad said stop, you just stop. Because when they're this big and you're playing ball and the ball goes out in the street, if I have not already trained them, my wife and I, to stop when they're told to stop without asking questions, who knows if a ball's not going to go across the street and uh, they might go run out to get it and get hit by a car. One thing I used to do, and you may think this is lunacy, join the club, amen, (laughs) but uh, sometimes I'd, I'd tell my children, we had, the Lord allowed us to have six, amen, and, and I, would, I would say, okay, uh, meet out at the dinner table in 10 minutes and just sit there and fold your hands and be quiet. And I'd, I'd do that, and they'd go out there, and they'd be folding their hands, and they'd be quiet, and I'd come out, and I wouldn't give them an explanation, I wouldn't say why. But you know what they learned from that? To just do what they were told. Amen? Amen? And I don't care what the world says in society and, you know, it's, it's mom and dad equal with the children and they're going to tell mom and dad what to do. That's what it usually turns out to be. God has a plan, amen? And it doesn't include the children telling mom and dad what to do. Hallelujah. But here we see Abraham obeyed. And I want to ask you tonight, if you want the, the power, the ability, and I don't mean this in a Pentecostal charismatic way, But the ability to move God's heart, because there's going to come a time in your life, or maybe 10 times, 100 times, where you're going to really need to get a hold of God. Amen? And I wonder today how many, one, I wonder how much we pray. And number two, I wonder how much we pray and God doesn't, it doesn't get through to him. Doesn't touch his ears. Amen? So obedience. Uh, is our normal demeanor, d- demeanor to obey God? Is that your normal demeanor? Obey means to comply with commands, orders, not suggestions, by the way, instructions of a superior, including to forbear that which is prohibited. Amen? And so I want to encourage you that to, to look at Abraham's life here and that he had a spirit of obedience. Now, he was not perfect. He was flawed. There's very few people we read about in the Bible uh, where you don't see the flaws or the sins in their life. But we know everybody is a sinner. Amen? Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23. And we know Abraham had flaws. He did commit sins. But at the same point, God tells him to do this tremendous thing of just departing and going somewhere else. And God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And he obeyed. Amen? I wonder how many times the Lord has told us something. And we don't obey. I've been guilty of that. 
Amen? Where, where it may be something as small as uh, prompting me to witness to somebody. And, and, uh, and I didn't obey. Too busy, too much in a hurry. And so I just want to encourage us as we see this about Abraham. The next thing, go to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. And by the way, the Bible says a lot about obedience before we even get into Genesis 15. But the Bible says to obey is better than what? And so, you know, it's easy to replace obedience with what we would call sacrifice. Uh, God, you've told me to do this, you've told me to do this, but you know what, I'm in church every time the doors are open. Uh, but I do this or I do that. There may be people here that God's called to go into the mission field. God's called to teach Sunday school. God's called to be in the ministry. God's called for whatever purpose. There may be commands and things that God has, has instructed you. We have a book right here full of instructions, amen? And yet how many times do we not obey what's in here? Do we have a spirit of obedience or do we pick and choose what we want to obey? Amen? I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, we're not always going to keep all of God's commandments. We know that. We're not going to always keep all the, the commandments that are put forth in the New Testament for New Testament believers. But what is our heart? Is our desire to obey God? Is our desire to please God? Is our desire to fulfill what we are commanded to do as New Testament believers? So Genesis chapter 15. You all sound asleep. I may have to just get loud just to make sure you're all not asleep tonight. Amen. Genesis chapter 15. Look at verse 6. Well, look at verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. I think sometimes in our circles where the Bible is used, utilized, preached, encouraged to obey, I think a lot of times we, we get so used to reading passages, we don't really allow it to sink in and think about what's being said. Realize what he told Abraham here. And instead of arguing and fighting and questioning, and I know it, we know at times that happened, but look at his response it says in verse 6, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Faith. He trusted what God said. And you know, it's easy to trust God when you've got money in the bank and everything's going right and all your relationships are right and everybody, everybody's behaving, amen, and everything's going well at church and there's no problems. It's easy to exercise faith when everything is okay. Am I right? Amen. But I'll, I'll share this with you. When, when trials come... And tribulations come and difficulties come, you're going to be put to the test someday. Amen. And if you're not already exercising faith when things are okay, where's it going to be? Listen, I'll, and again, I'm not, with my wife's situation, 23 months ago, she went to be with the Lord. June 19th, 2021, that would be. And I thought I had a tremendous faith. I thought I was right on target. I thought everything's great, you know, and things are going good. We're looking forward to, to not retiring. I, I, by God's grace, I'm 90 years old. I'll still be preaching, amen? I hope so. Might be in a wheelchair or whatever, but that's my plan. 
But you think, you know, we're looking towards getting older and, you know, uh, her last birthday thing to me was many more shared birthdays ahead. Looking forward to that. And we're thinking about praying about moving and, and just uh, spending more time together, you know, and all this stuff. Boom, the Lord takes her home. It's been a time of, of a trial, been a time of a test. Amen? But, but, you know, the truth is God is still God. And he's still in control. And, and, and it didn't throw something into his spokes about taking my wife home. He doesn't make any mistakes. It just, it messed up my plans, but not his. And I want to ask you, if you where's your faith tonight? Has your faith really been tested? Because if it's not where it ought to be today, and by the way, it's not how much faith you have. Now, having a lot of faith is a very good thing. Very good thing. But you know, sometimes it comes down to not how much faith you have, but who your faith is in. Amen. Amen. I thank God that my faith is is not in Muhammad. Amen. I wish every Muslim would get saved. Amen. I thank God my faith isn't in Joseph Smith or Mary or the preacher or the priest or the pope. I thank God that, that, that my faith is in the creator of the heaven and the earth. Amen? So Abraham tr- displayed a tremendous amount of faith. Next thing, look at Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Now, Brother Muncy did say I had till 1030. Amen? All right. Genesis chapter... Um, Where did I say there? Genesis chapter 18, and look at verse 19. I'm not going to read the whole account here. Uh, But we're familiar with with what is stated. I'm sorry, Genesis 22, Genesis 22. We're familiar with this account. I'm not going to read it all due to time. Uh, But in verse 7, 22, 7, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? God tells him to sacrifice his son. That's not a little thing. Amen? And if we're all upfront and honest about things, the most outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, our greatest love is for, for those in our family. Amen? And so God tells him to sacrifice his only son, his son Isaac. And then look at this, uh, verse 8. And Abraham said, uh, said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they want both of them together. So look at verse 12. And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. So we have Abraham uh, that uh, obeyed God, Abraham that had faith in God, amen, that took him at his word, and his word can be trusted, amen. Men may fail you, husbands may fail you, wives may fail you, children may fail you, parents may fail you, but this word of God is not going to fail you, and the God of the Bible is not going to fail you, amen. He He is worthy of your trust, and so is this book. But here we find out that he feared God, that he loved God. Let's term it that way, more than he did even his own son. Now, I remember when I first got saved, I'm an old man. I know I look 35 and I'm not. And I remember, stop smiling, brother. And I remember when I first got saved, man, I was just so excited. And I, and I, and I, and I, I was 
not really thinking about getting married, but the Lord provided my wife and uh, as uh, to be you know, woman in front of me, boom, to be my wife. At the time, I was dating two twin sisters, and I met the woman who became my wife. Long story, a lot of fun. wasn't fun to my wife, but hallelujah. But but I remember, I remember. The revelation, I can remember where I was in my car, and the revelation came to me, and I don't mean, you know, again, charismatic stuff, but it was like, wow, I'm supposed to love my God more than even the woman that's going to become my wife. Do we really realize that? You see, a lot of times it's easy to make our family our idols, our wife, our children, our husbands, whatever. But the reality of it is God found out and discovered and Abraham revealed and displayed that he had a love for God more than for his own son. There's something to that. Amen? So I want to look at a couple other things here. Uh, Genesis, uh, go, go to 18, go back to 18 and look at verse 19. Another fact we learn about the man who moved God, the man who influenced God. Verse 19, for I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So this man that moved God, God already, God knew this man was going to lead his wife and his children to follow God. What a characteristic. I wonder if the Lord doesn't look down at half the Christians, maybe 70 or 80% in our country today, and say, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't have a clue, will they? Now, God foreknows everything. But I wonder if he, if he doesn't just wonder sometimes, wow, you know, they, they ought to obey me. They ought to train their children and, their, and, and lead their wife to follow me, but I just don't have that confidence. But he did with Abraham. Amen? What a powerful thing. So now look with me, if you would, at Psalm 66, because we're going to look at a couple of other things, because we're basically getting into the idea of moving God, influencing God, and the main way we do that is through prayer. So Psalm 66, so I want to get into, uh, again, I like to be personal, amen? How's your prayer life? You look at these characteristics, the four characteristics we've looked at at Abraham, and I want to ask, would that, would that be a description of your life? To, be, to have those characteristics, the faith, the obedience, the desire to obey, the, the leading your family in the right way, the faith. So as we look at prayer, and, we, and again, I want to be an encouragement as the scripture talks about not having dominion over your faith, but helpers for your joy. Amen? Amen? And so as we look at that, I want to just challenge you about your prayer life. Because if your personal prayer life is not right, then your relationship with God and probably with other people is not going to be right. And so there's going to be some things, there's two things that came to mind as I was studying this that can hinder your prayer life and hinder mine. Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So your relationship with sin directly influences your prayer life. 
And so I wonder, as, as we look out, even amongst the crowd like this tonight, if there's not believers here, those that are saved, that seek to move God, that, that need, listen, we need God's help, amen? You've got decisions to make, and, uh, you know, some of the, the younger folks, you know, if they're going to get married, and by the way, if you don't, that doesn't mean you're any less valuable to God, Amen? God may not lead you to get married. I'm not trying to disappoint you, young ladies. Amen? But if you, uh, decisions about marriage, if you're going to get married, who you're going to marry, decisions about ministry, decisions about employment, where you're going to live, different things you're going to do throughout your life, ministries you may get involved in, uh, whether somebody should be your friend or not. So you have all these big decisions to make, but we also have what we would call the lesser decisions. And yet, we need God in every aspect of our life. Would you agree with that? I know I do, and I'm going to share something with you. I believe in being transparent. I want to be real with you. There's times in my life where I've cried out to God and prayed, and it seemed like God wasn't listening. Now, you read through the book of Psalms, you'll find times where David cried out to God and God answered. You're going to find other times where David cried out to God and God didn't answer, and I don't know why. We always want to focus on when God did answer because we want the good ending of the story. But I've had times where I've sought God's face and made decisions even though I didn't have an answer from him, and I ended up having to pay the consequences for that. So you've got a 62-year-old man that's been saved for 41 and a half years that's just trying to encourage you to not make some of the mistakes I've made. Amen? Well, thank you for that, brother. But our relationship with sin, we talked about it a little bit this morning. And it doesn't have to be the big stuff we talked about because you know what one of the biggest sins is? is pride. My godly 36-year-old daughter came to me about 10 years ago, and she said, Dad, she said, how come one of the biggest sins in the Bible is never preached about? Because it's easy to preach against the bar room when nobody's going to the bar from the church, amen? It's easy to preach against this and that and set the bar where we're not guilty, but what about the things we are guilty of or susceptible to? Gossip, lying, uh, sin, slander, wrong thoughts, wrong motives, wrong attitudes, wrong behavior. And so we expect God to answer, and there's going to come, listen, uh, the, 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 we want God to answer about maybe who we're going to marry or who we're, you know, whatever's going to happen, and decisions in the future, and what church to go to. But if we've got sin in our life, we may just make the wrong choice, because God is not obligated to answer you if you have sin in your heart, or if you're planning sin. Amen? Presumptuous sins. And yes, we're all susceptible to sin, but that's the whole idea of the Christian life is that we have forgiveness through Jesus Christ and we need to get things right and get cleaned up, confess, renounce, and resist the devil and live for Christ. Amen? Amen. And if you're not careful, the devil will beat you up and your own, your own self will beat you up and think, oh, you're just going to live in this sin, you can't get out of it. That's what the devil wants. That's not from God. Amen? So the next thing, look with me if you would, go to 1 Peter chapter 3. First 
First Peter chapter three. So look at verse First um, Peter chapter three, and look with me if you would at um, look at verse twelve, going along with what we just talked about. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, we are, our position as a believer is righteousness because we have the righteousness of Christ. Amen? That's the only way you go to heaven, by the way. You don't go on your own righteousness. Amen? But as a believer, we still have what we call our daily walk. Amen? And, and so it is possible, despite what modern Christianity says, for God, even though he wants you to do right, desires you to do right, desires that you live uh, holy and so forth, it is very possible for you and I as believers to get involved in sin so much or to be complacent about sin that God ends up being against his own people. Read the Old Testament, you'll see that's true. So yes, he desires us to do right. He wants the best for us. But we can be, God can be opposed to us because of sin that we allow in our life. So I'm asking you to be real tonight. And ask yourself what your prayer life is like. So we even talk about prayer. And, and I, would, I would ask you to answer in your own mind and in your own heart. Do you believe you have a good prayer life? Amen. Do you pray 10 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, an hour a day, five minutes a day, two minutes a day, three hours a week, whatever? Ask yourself if you're satisfied with your prayer life. And then ask yourself if God's satisfied with your prayer life. Because if you're not, God probably isn't. Amen? So look at the, the same chapter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse uh, 7. Here's where we get into the fun part, amen? By the time I'm done, you're going to say, man, I wish you were just loud tonight. <laughs> because we're talking about where the rubber meets the road here. Amen? amen? And though this is designed, this passage is, is husbands and wives. It also can be thought of in the sense of what... For you people that are single, if you do get married, to keep these things in mind. Because what else can hinder your prayer life is presented here in verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. I could make a few jokes over that. Amen. <laughs> Smile. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Those of you that are married, I'd like you to do something very different, very unusual, very not Baptist in church. I'd like you to look over at your wife. Amen? Smile tonight. Amen? If your relationship is not right with your wife, your prayers are going to be hindered. You say, that's such a petty thing, not in the eyes of God. And what gets me today, and this is what's going to get me in trouble, we want to push the submission of the wife and the submission of the wife. That's Bible. It's in here, uh, Ephesians 5. It's in the, uh, the verses above. But we want to push that. And I'm, I'm all for the submission of the wife. Amen? Amen? 
<laughs> okay, I just got to make sure, amen. That's Bible. But we want to push that stuff so much we forget the, the, the fact that men are supposed to love their wife as Christ loved the church. And I'm sick to death of the men that I talk to that are like, well, you know, the Bible talks about submission. It's submission. It's not slavery. She's probably working harder than you are. Amen. Oh, I, I worked eight hours today and I had to sweat twice. You wouldn't believe it. And I had a discussion with the boss and in and, and, and the car. I actually had to stop and fill the gas tank and it took me five minutes and it's five o'clock and I need dinner. Can you do that? It's been such a horrible day. I'm going to go sit on the couch and watch a football game for two hours. Can you tell me when dinner's ready? And then I'd like it this way and this way. Uh, you, you know what I'm saying? And the wife's job is never done. And not just whether you have children or not either. Come on, gentlemen, I've gotten to know some of you. Amen. It's a full-time job or just taking care of you. Amen. Some of the ladies are even smiling now. But we've got it so messed up in some of our circles. It's all about uh, she's going to serve me. And she's going to do this. And she's going to, and we've turned it into a form of slavery. Well, listen, do you love your wife as Christ loved the church? We all fail in that at times. We get grumpy because dinner's not on the table at 5 o'clock. Listen, be glad you're not a Mormon. In the Mormon church, if she burns the biscuits, in the Mormon church, a Mormon husband has to call his wife out of the grave. So if she burns the biscuits, she's in trouble. So thank God you're not a Mormon. Thank God you're saved. Amen. But we get grumpy about, uh, oh, you know, this didn't come out right. Or that. Come on, most of you can't cook anyways. Thank God for what you got put in front of you. Amen? And she takes care of your clothes and picks up your underwear and picks up your socks and she, she cleans out the sink where you spit in it after you brushed your teeth and, and where you, some of you shave, some of you that have man hair, you know, and you, and you, you smile, amen? Some of it, I think yours is glued on, brother. But you know what? That way they clean it up where you shave in the sink and they're doing this and they're taking care of the kids and they're doing that. You want to know what? We've got it backwards in a lot of our churches. We want to focus on the submission. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of these ladies are going to get rewarded more than the men probably in this church because of what they're doing for their husbands and their love for men that are flawed. I'm not saying they're not flawed, but listen, I know how it works being around the circles after a few years. How about, how about taking her out to dinner? Amen. Not just we're at your favorite place because they serve your favorite steak. Amen. When was the last time you bought your wife some roses? My wife was easy. She liked carnations. They were cheaper. But she liked them better. What a blessing. Amen. But you, you listen, your wife notices how much you love her and care for her. Remember, my wife came up to me about two or three weeks before she went to be with the Lord. She, she would... Um, she bred dogs, and that's how that was one of her businesses she did. She was a keeper at home with the six girls or the six children, and then they were getting older and all that. And, and uh, I, was, I was still on the plan to do dishes a couple times a week. And it went through my head. I thought, man, I'm the dad. Is this, you know? But I did it, you know? And you're smiling, amen? And, and, and a lot of times she'd be with one of my daughters while. The other two were working at the Creation Museum. She'd be with Mercy, and they'd go out and watch a Hallmark or, you know, spend time together, cut up, laugh, have fun. And I'm thinking, you know, I'd do the dishes for her, and I'd walk the dogs constantly. Stay in your seat. Have fun with your, your daughter. Have fun with our daughter. And, you know, I'm going to walk the dogs. And 
she came up to me about two or three weeks before she went to be with the Lord, and she looked at me and she said, honey, she said, thank you for walking the dog so much and doing the dishes for me. I wanted to do that for her. I wanted to show her my love, amen? And I told her, and again, this is two or three weeks before she went to be with the Lord. I said, honey, you know what? You've taken care of me your whole life. I said, now we're getting into a, a time of life where I'm going to start taking care of you. You better treat your wife right. She, she tolerates you. I'm not saying, listen, I know women have flaws too, amen? There's just something about us men that make us difficult. Amen? And, and you ought to thank God for you. She's not perfect. Look in the mirror, Junior. Oh, oh, well, you know, her hair wasn't curled the way I like it. Or, you know, she didn't shower this morning and I'm home at 3 o'clock. And she doesn't look like some movie star. Well, good. She's probably got a whole lot more character, too. And she might have two children in her arms and just got done with dishes and sweeping the floor and mopping the place and taking care of your clothes. See, Christ's love for his church was sacrificial. And we seem to want to, to not display that the way we should. And so we expect God to answer our prayers. We expect influence with God. We expect to be able to move God. We want wisdom from God. Listen, we're pretty stupid people. At least I'm speaking for myself. I need God, like, all the time. In the times where I haven't had the prayer life that I should have had, I've paid the price for that. And some of it, I still have some of the consequences. And I want to encourage you tonight to think of Abraham. As you put your head on your pillow tonight, think of Abraham. Think Think about sin and your relationship with sin. And by the way, sin will affect your whole family. Amen. I've gotten an idea to, I've gotten to know some of the ladies here a little bit, just talking to them and, you know, their husbands and stuff. And, you know, you know what, you know what these ladies in this room want, at least the ones I've gotten to know, even some of the ones that aren't married that I can pick out. I won't point, I won't name you, but you're right there. No, I'm just kidding. But you know what they, they want? a man who loves God. Amen. Listen, that, what, what woman deserves to be treated like a queen? Amen. And, and, and your joint heirs, there's something to that. Your joint heirs, the Bible tells us here, uh, of the grace, together of the grace of life. What a blessing that a marriage can be a picture of Christ's love for his church. And yet if we're not responding right, getting grumpy, raising our voice, not behaving right, our prayers can be hindered. So I want to challenge you tonight. I'm just going to be about three or four more minutes. Are we praying? Are we doing it out of ritual? Are we trying to get a hold of God? And it may not even be for us or for wisdom for us. It could be to thank God. Amen? Sometimes you do with God what we do with people. You know, oh, I did this for, you know, I did this for, okay, thanks. Do we do that with the Lord sometimes? What about praying for other people? What about trying to get a hold of God because somebody else needs God's help? So I want to ask you about your praying. Is it real or is it ritual? And is it even reaching the ears of God? I came up with this statement from doing my Bible study. Perhaps Abraham is nothing greatly profound, but it's true. Perhaps Abraham influenced God because God had influenced him.
what's your relationship with the Lord like? I'm going I'm to give you some real tip, quick tips on prayer. One, the Lord assumes that we pray. If you're going to take notes, it's the time to do it. It's Matthew 6, 7. Tips on prayer? James 4, 17. Just do it. Have a specific time that you get alone with God. Amen? It's not just, and I'm all for pray without ceasing and praying as you're driving down the road and, you know, uh, doing the dishes, whatever, when something comes to your mind. Amen? But there's also something about having a special time where you're talking to your God. Amen? Uh, have a proper environment for prayer. Amen? Uh, sometimes you read in the Bible, Luke 4.42 is a desert place. Luke 5.16, the wilderness. Luke 6.12, the mountain, a mountain. Mark 1.35, a solitary place. I think that we could change and affect the lost around us, our marriages, our homes, this church, if our prayer life was right. There's times where I have prayed to the extent where I felt and sensed, and again, being Christian, uh, not this nonsense stuff that goes on in some of these circles, where I have sensed and felt the power of God in my life while I was praying as if God was right next to me. And there's other times where I have prayed and I knew, I'm I'm being transparent with you, I knew as I was praying, there was something in my life that shouldn't be there, but I still did it, and I wanted God to answer. So, how's your prayer life? The things that we've looked at, do you need to make some things right with your spouse? Do you need to deal with sin in your life? Do we really desire to move God? I'm going to give you a challenge, and then I'm done. The Bible talks about about one in the scriptures that prayed morning, evening, and at noon. Amen? I'm going to challenge you for the next seven days to do that. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes each time or an hour each time or two hours each time. Maybe you're at work at noon and you only get a 10-minute break. Then take that time to pray. We want God to work? Do we want to go beyond the, the, the ritualism of the good independent Baptist Christian life? Do we want God to work in the lives of these young people that are one day going to go to heaven or go to hell? Do we want God to empower and enrich and strengthen our walk with him, our love for him, our love for our parents, our love for our children, our love for our spouses? We need God, and it's not going to happen until we have the right prayer life. My job tonight is to encourage you, and again, I'm preaching to myself. You can laugh at me. I, can, I could preach to 500,000 homosexual bikers and it wouldn't faze me a bit. But I struggle with prayer. I struggle with spending the time I need to. And what I find is that I need to have the power of God through prayer if I'm going to truly be a servant of God. Because if not, it's in my own flesh. So I want to encourage you challenge you. If God's dealt with your heart, it's up to you. The altar is open. Thank you for your time. Amen. Pastor.